Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you enjoy audiobooks. They're a great way to stay cozy on drives or at work. And today we're lucky to be joined by a professional narrator, BJ Harrison, who has narrated hundreds of books, many of them classics, that he features on his Classic Tales podcast and website, and some of them Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to the podcast, BJ. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're thrilled. Uh, all our listeners were thrilled as well. We got a lot of comments on social media about how they're excited to hear about your work. And so we're just absolutely thrilled to have you on. Well, thanks. I hope I live up to the hype. Oh, yeah. oh, the pressure's on now. <laughs> Lots of hype. Okay. Oh, boy. We start every episode by checking in with what's making us feel cozy this week. I'll kick it off. All right. Thank you, Julian. Actually, in honor of this episode, I chose a paranormal TV show called The In-Between, and it's about a psychic who helps her dad, who's in the PD, solve crimes. So on NBC, it stars Harriet Dyer, Paul Blackthorne, and Justin Cornwell. And I'm a big sucker for psychic fictional TV shows. I love, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I loved Medium. I was obsessed with Medium. So this is a nice, um, I guess follow-up to medium it's very similar but it follows a younger woman in seattle so it has seattle as a setting which is super cozy the lead detective who happens to be her dad is british inexplicably <laughs> we'd never get his backstory he wears a fedora all the time there's tons of plot holes but i like it because it has a lot of plot holes those are a lot of character choices <laughs> a lot of character choices there are a lot of moving parts and i love a show that just goes head in head first into it without I guess, yeah, really following up on plot lines, but mm -hmm. it's very entertaining. Like I said, the setting super cozy because it's in Seattle. I love psychic visions um, on cable TV. I think it's fairly entertaining. And I just something nice to watch. You know, it's low stakes. It's And like I said, I love paranormal TV shows. So it's really hitting my cozy spot lately. I think spooky stuff is incredibly cozy. So that sounds great to me. Yeah, I love a good psychic solving crimes. I wouldn't have it any other way. No true evidence, just speculative ghost <laughs> evidence. Yeah, and it probably won't make it till season two. It's definitely going to get canceled each week. The ratings get worse. So watch it while you can. <laughs> yeah, but I'm rooting for it. Hold down hope for the in-between. So what's making me feel cozy this week is, well, as we're closing out summer, so too is Shakespeare in the Park ending in a lot of cities. And uh, that's true also of Los Angeles. And I went crazy with Shakespeare in the yeah, Park really this year did. in LA. <laughs> Every day you're going... I was a charter member of the Independent Shakespeare Company, which is the group in LA that puts it on. There, it's I think what's cozy is, is you really actually, if you go to more than one of these plays, you really get to know the actors and the directors because... They're also really interactive, so like they'll come up and talk to you, they'll move through the crowd, and it truly feels like a community experience. Yeah, and the audience is really into it. Oh, yeah, and it, I mean, it, there is something just truly magical about Shakespeare coming alive through performance. So they did two plays this summer. They did uh, Twelfth Night, and they did Pericles. And Pericles was really interesting for me because I had never read that. Really zany. <laughs> did you see it yeah i went last saturday oh, that's right that's right okay so you know, you know what i'm talking about so you can you can yeah, yeah. you can add to this yeah well pericles I, I, it was interesting watching it unfold because it's like this tragedy that's not very tragic and a comedy that's not funny yeah it's one of his stranger <laughs> plays but he didn't write it him he wrote it co-wrote it with someone right oh, okay so that's why it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's his zany little friend who tried to collaborate with or i don't know but yeah, what I like about Shakespeare in the Park, it doesn't even have to be like one of, you know, Shakespeare's best plays. It, it can still be like a, an amazing experience just to be outside at night, drinking wine, munching on food. And it's just a really nice atmosphere. Yeah. Twinkling lights and the, the set's really always gorgeous. Oh, yeah. It's really pretty. It's, 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 a, it's really cozy. Shakespeare in the Park in L.A. is at Griffith Park. And there's no drinking in Griffith Park. And whenever they announce that at the beginning of the show to remind people, everyone laughs. And goes, my audience booed. <laughs> they booed. Yeah, they're like, Whoa. yeah. You had some real alkies in your audience. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's up in me. I went on weekdays, so like everyone there was just like, ha 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 ha. No one's checking on a Thursday. But the, yeah, the weekend crowd. Weekend crowds, they're gonna fight you. Tear down the set. <laughs> Don't check in my swell bottle. 
what did you use to sit on? Because one thing that's not cozy is your butt hurts so much. <laughs> My legs were aching. If you have a big enough blanket, so we have a picnic blanket, mm-hmm. like one of the nice ones that has like, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to fabric consistency or whatever, but like the bottom side is kind of slick and easy to clean and the top is sort of plush. And then you put it down there, and so you sit on it. Probably <laughs> it's better a blanket. than my bed sheet. <laughs> yes. I, I would say get a proper blanket. with a. It has a little bit more padding, padding. to it. Because I think there's an art of coziness at these outdoor events where you have to have a little seat or a picnic blanket. Yeah, a bed sheet, you're going to feel every little pebble. Which you're I gonna did. Be, you're you're going to be the princess and the pea. How about you, BJ? What's making you feel cozy this week? Well... I am really excited about the weather changing soon. Our kids just started school. And so at the fall time of the year, we really enjoy the universal monsters, the original Dracula, the original Mm. Frankenstein. Um, When my wife and I were first married, there was a wonderful moment when we were just discovering these films where uh, there was this horrific lightning storm and we had just gotten Bride of Frankenstein and we watched it and there was real time, real lightning outside. And we were so, it was, it was such a wonderful, I mean, it was like, I won't say how many years ago that was, several years ago. But it was, uh, I still just love that. Anytime there's any, so anyway, that's, that's one of the, my favorite, favorite things is to get something kind of warm and sit down with, uh, with our little family and watch Frankenstein or one of our black and white monster movies. We just... They're very campy. There's a lot of stuff that's just endearing and really, really fun for us. And we quote them all the time. So we love camp over here, so we get it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And classic horror movies. We did we did an episode on those this last Halloween. Yeah, I I cannot wait for the weather to change. So excited. Right? In, in LA though, the summer just extends into October. I love LA in almost every way except the fact that the seasons are just kind of out of whack. And I grew up in Chicago, so it's just not what I'm used to or, or want. Well, in Utah, where where, where we are, um, we get like two weeks of, of fall weather. There's just hot, and then there's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, this is actually comfortable. I can actually go outside and feel good about, you know, everything. And that lasts like, you know, a, a week or two. And then it's freezing cold for like <laughs> ever, forever. Just, just. It's going to be cold until April. If you're lucky, just get used to it. Kind of abrasive. But, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so you got to get those classic monster movies in. Right. At the, at the, in that sweet spot. You stretch that season out. Just yeah. make it yours. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited about Halloween. I've been looking up Halloween decorations on like Instagram. Okay. So much so that I've tracked down specific decorations based on people I follow. It's a sickness. And I have it. Um, there's worse, worse vices. There's a ceramic Halloween tree that came out at Michael's that people have gone crazy over. That's like you can't find any yeah, stores. Like tailor made for you. Yeah, and I, I did, did go crazy for it. And I like checked over like six or seven Michael's stores and finally found one that had it and drove all the way out there. So that's <laughs> commitment. It is commitment. <laughs> it's commitment to Halloween. BJ, your voice is just so sonorous. I know. I, as soon as you came on, it's like a velvet, velvety, lovely. A sound echoing through our computers. It's all a microphone. It's just I have a fancy microphone. That's that's it. Well, thank you. That's very nice. That's not true. Yeah, that's very nice. Can you host this podcast? Because I feel like your voice is better suited for the content. Well, it's funny because my partner said that Matt has a lovely, soothing voice that's you know great for NPR, and she's like, it's a funny you know uh, juxtaposition because there's Matt's you know soothing voice, and then there's you like because <laughs> my my voice is pretty high pitched. But, you know, balance each other out, I suppose. <laughs> I love your guys' sound. I'm, I'm becoming a, an all-things cozy junkie. I listened to your last two episodes, and I'm just like, oh, these guys, I'll tell you the truth. There's lots of interview-type podcasts out there, and it's kind of hard to find one that's like you can really like, oh, my gosh, I can just listen to these guys talk. They're just entertaining to listen to. They're fascinating. You guys are one of those. It's like, oh so my sweet. god! Thank you so much. I'm That's glad really this is a sweet. podcast so no one can see me blush. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are talking about your um, your comfort food, and I was like, oh yes, and that, and then there's that. You're talking about mac and cheese and making the mm-hmm. stuff. I'm like, yes, I've been there. I I re- I understand this, all of this. So anyway, <laughs> can't go wrong with comfort food. Right, right. Although Julian can go wrong with making That's, mac and cheese. That is, you know what, touche. <laughs> I I have the same. It's it's a it's a 
it's an it's an issue. It's a I don't know. It's a condition. I have it too. I can't do a good mac and cheese unless it comes from a dehydrated box. <laughs> Which you know what? Not turn my nose up at. Well, actually, so when did you realize you you had a voice that was perfect for audiobook narration? Like when <laughs> when did it dawn on you? Well, the the audiobooks thing didn't happen till I was uh, till I knew what audiobooks were when I was like you know in my twenties. But since I was a kid. Um, I was always fascinated with, uh, doing all the, with, with the different voices. Like, you know, when I saw Alice in Wonderland, the Disney one, you know, I was like, oh, so the voice for Tweedledum and Tweedledee, it's the same as the Loris and the Carpenter. Okay. You know, I would like, I was always interested in that. And so, um, and the different accents and the way that Robin Hood, you know, the Disney Robin Hood, he could do all the different characters and fool everybody. I love that. So ever since I was a kid. I, uh, I've been into doing voices and stuff like that. And, and then uh, when I was in my 20s, I discovered audiobooks, which like integrated like books. I was a terrible reader, at, by the way, at the time. So I had never been able to read these amazing longer form, you know, books because I was intimidated by them. But now I could listen to them and they were like performed by like a professional who like knew his stuff. And I was, I was just, it, it, it really changed like, my my world my life like my ability to learn and to grow so um i guess i just became so <laughs> enamored of them uh that it just kind of fit in with uh with with what i wanted to do what i was always interested in so yeah it's a whole world that is largely undiscovered by a lot of people you don't really think about you know sometimes nar- narration or how audiobooks get made or who's behind it and that you know leads me to wonder: Is there an audiobook narrator you particularly admire or look to for inspiration? I know some celebrities have tried their hand at narrating audiobooks. Um, before you got really got into this work, was there someone that you were drawn to? The the one that I really loved. Um, I, there are so many. There are so many, and I learned so much when I'm listening to to anybody. I'm like, oh. They really nailed that. Oh, wow. That's really good. I just steal from everybody. I guess that's what I'm trying to say in code. <laughs> that's as any but, artist. <laughs> as, <laughs> but when I first started, I loved, uh, I listened to David Copperfield performed by Patrick Tull, who did a lot of the, um, a lot of the classics for recorded books. He did the Aubrey Maturin series from Patrick O'Brien and his, his sound was just amazing. And I don't know if it was, it's, it was just a combination of, his voice with the the content of that wonderful story by Charles Dickens, it, it all was like, I'm getting tingles right now talking about it, remembering what happened to me, the like metamorphosis of of, of my understanding. But uh, so Patrick Tull is 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 one of my favorites. Of course, Jim Dale, who who um, did the Harry Potter books, and um, there's 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 seriously so many, um, and I just I just I just I just love them. I love yeah. them all. It's like, um, you know, when a writer in their early career is reading other writers and it gets them excited to think about those stories that inspire them to get into writing. And it's, it's the same thing for audiobook narration. You know, you talk about getting that tingle. It's, it's nice to hear. Um, and it's, it's cool to, that's a craft that you can develop and hone just like any other by listening to other audio narrators. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when you read a wonderful book and you just know these characters and they're like your friends. And then when it's over, it's like you have lost all your friends. And there's that kind of (laughs) sad moment. It's like, I I don't know, for me, like when I listened to like Lord of the Rings with uh, Rob Inglis, who did such a great job with that, um, it was like it's another level of 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 intimacy, I guess. For sure. They're in your home. Yeah, they're in your they're in your head. They're literally in your head. So. It's just uh, it makes it a more intimate one-on-one experience kind of thing, so that which uh, which I really enjoy. Absolutely, and you can take them anywhere, right? Right. Go. <laughs> yeah. Before you started your career as a professional audiobook narrator, you worked as a scenic artist and sculptor in TV and film. Yes. How did you bridge those careers? How did that transition happen? It was an, it was a, an amazing experience. I I was just lucky enough to fall into this amazing career of, of sculpting and doing um, scenery work for films. Um, and while I was working on all of these things, I would listen to audiobooks during the day because when you're rolling paint on walls or you're figuring out a, 
you know, aging effect or whatever, whenever I was doing, I was able to um, just listen to audiobooks. So I listened to them for 10, 15 years. Um, and then in 2007, I started a podcast and I did them at the same time. So I would work all day long uh, on, the, on the show and then I would go home and um, make a make a podcast show once a week and and as one as the podcast got more and more traction um i started to actually get work and get hired to create audiobooks um after a while one just kind of replaced the other as one kind of i i was spending more and more time doing audiobooks and less and less time doing um scenery which i which i loved and i kind of miss all of those wonderful friends and you know being social seeing the sun you know mm-hmm. not in the not not in a windowless room all day, but um, but it's a, that's that's kind of how that tradition happened. And I mean, and I'm, and I'm based in Utah, so it's not like we have a ton of movies and films coming through here. We have a fair amount, um, but um, there got to be a time when there wasn't any more. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't hustle any more work, but yet I had a whole bunch of audiobook work. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna audition for everything I can and fill up my schedule. And I guess this is what I do now. It that's kind of how it happened. One of those wonderful kinds of jobs where you can be anywhere and do it. That's true. I hope at one day we can tr- fully transition into our all things cozy. Be professional cozy yeah. podcast. Host. Cozy on tour. Well, I mean, we'll probably send holograms of ourselves on tour, <laughs> yeah. but we'll make it happen somehow. And <laughs> on the topic of cozy, we talk a lot about cozy mysteries on the show. Our listeners yeah. love cozy mysteries. And you've narrated several paranormal cozy mysteries. Yeah, I'd love to hear you talk about your experience narrating those books and what some of your favorite cozies that you worked on and and, and why those were your favorite. I didn't know what a cozy paranormal mystery or cozy paranormal. It's a lot of uh, adjectives. I know, right? (laughs) Like talk about a sub, sub, sub genre. Like, yeah. But uh, I got a I I got hired by a a, a, an author to do a a book that was set in uh, a town where they had. Halloween, 365 days of the year. It was like a tourist town, you know, kind of thing. But what it really was, was all of the vampires and werewolves and uh, shapeshifters and everything. They were real, but it was, you know, enchanted. It was like a haven for supernaturals, but it was played off as this kind of touristy town. So everyone could be themselves out in the open. And it was kind of like the gimmick. And that series, it's it's called the Nocturne Falls series. Uh, I think the first one was the the vampire's mail order bride. <laughs> uh, it was, it was so layers there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It takes, it takes some explaining. Okay. You yeah. got it. Okay. All right. I'm intrigued. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot to get there. We got there, but uh, it was so, Oh, it was so fun because you know, the vampires were from England and they're, you know, higher class. And so you get to do your, your Basil Rathbone and your, your, you know, Maggie Smith kind of feel to it, but but then like the the werewolves were from Arkansas, and so you oh got to do God. all the backwood stuff. And, read this. and then and and then so there's like a whole cast of characters, and as I got into them, I realized, oh my word, every one of these characters has their own book later on. Oh. So I would like accidentally make some crazy voice for like somebody oh. like oh that's the star. You're gonna hear nine hours of that dude <laughs> in like you know another week that's and amazing. a half. So that's really so funny. That, it was so fun to just kind of do my whole, I just threw everything I had at it and made it really kind of a little over the top, a little kind of bigger than, you know, but it was so fun and it was written and they're, and they're very funny, you know, they're, they're cozy. So it's like, it's safe, it's fun and they're really funny. And, um, so that led to, uh, so I did the Nocturne Falls series. Um, there's also an alien Arkansas series which is a spin-off of of the nocturne falls there's a whole bunch of different spin-offs of nocturne falls um we're using aliens and they have like little cozy mysteries themselves there's the the unhappy valley which is there's like three or four of these different series that are kind of very similar where they're supernaturals that are living amongst us in different ways you know kind of thing and um one set in maine one set in new orleans one set in denver so that's kind of how that wound up. And people really tend to like it. I love the idea of a werewolf and a vampire mismarpling around town. In Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. Arkansas. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, every day sounds like a new exciting adventure, keeps things interesting for sure on your toes. You touched a little bit on this about paranormal cozies, but I was wondering if you can dive into a little bit about what makes something a paranormal cozy, because I mentioned it to someone the other day and they kind of looked at me strangely, because it's a hard concept to wrap your head around because a lot of people don't see or maybe think of paranormal things as cozy. I mean, I personally do, but just to give our listeners a little bit of context, if you could. Okay. Well, the Krakens are in love. Does that, <laughs> is that, I can see the problem. Wait, I hear it. No, I hear it now. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the shapeshifters. Well, anyway, a lot of these are romance. And so that's even another layer mm. of, uh, of a blink. That's an extra blink we just added there. It's basically a really fun, tame kind of romance story. Mm. But they, the people involved just happen to be shapeshifters or they happen to be vampires or they happen to have supernatural abilities. But really, the fundamental story itself is, you know, is two people meeting and, and falling in love. And it's kind of residual, the paranormal aspect of it. It's not front and center all the time. And it's not integral to the story. The story itself is, is you know, to sometimes high school kids that, that, that get to know each other and it's another fun element that one happens to be a you know troll and one's a you know i don't know fairy or something like that like that <laughs> so yeah it makes a lot of sense it's basically the paranormal is just a background almost yeah to central story got it yeah it's just kind of another element as someone who enjoys fantasy a lot i feel like that genre is comforting for me and so to layer a fantasy element on top of daily routine like the daily routine of life it is in its own weird way like calming yeah there was one that i did um when tinker met bell where bell was like she was like a, a she had a greek family their family owned like the diner in town but their whole family helped. so there's all of those family dynamics and it was really cute and really fun but they were also you know some sort of greek mythological god power type person you know <laughs> but it was like not about that but it was it was just another layer of kind of fun having that juxtaposition of being able to use you know do amazing things but yet i still have to clean the grease off the fryer or whatever you know kind of thing so w when you're going about your work as a narrator and you get a really long text how do you break that up because I, I just imagine like it has to be so many hours in the booth recording <laughs> like how, <laughs> how do you approach that work well, I, I read through it. I, do, I read everything before I do it. Uh, and then I go through and I look for um, places, names that I'm not familiar with. And I make a list of all of the terms that, 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 uh, that I need to look up for reference. Because you can't guess on the pronunciation of anything. So I, I make a big list of uh, terms that I need to, to, to know. Uh, if it's a fantasy book, it's usually like a slew of unknown terms that are you know, made up that I need clarification from the author from. And then, um, then once I get all of that taken care of from the author, I also go ahead and do um, some research either on, you know, there's, there's lots of different ways I can look it up now. Um, dictionaries and YouTube videos and things like that, where I can actually hear someone from the town speak the name of the town. <laughs> so, so you make sure you get it right. Um, and then, because I, I, you're right, you have to really do kind of a fair amount of work before you even start recording because you want to just be able to just go and have everything set up for you. But so it takes a it takes a fair amount of time to get everything squared away before I, I dive in. And once you've completed all that research, do you read it straight through start to finish or do you do you chunk it out into different sections? I record basically because uh, I started by doing a podcast. So I guess I, that just kind of worked into my workflow. So I record basically like one episode or one finished hour at a time. So I'll start recording. It's called punch and punch and roll recording hmm. is, is what we do, where you start recording until you mess up, which for me is hmm. very frequently. <laughs> so, so I have to stop, go back, and I can see where, I, where the, you know, the, the new phrase needs to begin. And I need to time it so that I'm not in the middle of like a breath or, um, or anything like that. And uh, so that sounds just fluid and natural. And so I'll just go back, start recording again, go back, and, and keep on going. Also, um, if there's a big text, like um, 
well, if it has any character voices, I also compile and create a um, character voice library. So when I have any new voice, I stop, I highlight that portion where the person was speaking, and I create a library. I, I, I save that record so that later, whenever I see that person, she comes up again, he comes up again, I can reference and make sure that the voices match and are consistent through the whole book. That's so smart, so. yeah, to keep it consistent. I feel like mm-hmm. <laughs> even, even when I ever try to do accents, they always morph into a different accent anyway, so... <laughs> Any kind of tool to keep those straight would be important. Also, also, yeah, like doing that that legwork ahead of time where you really go through all of the, even for this podcast, when we talk about certain subjects, like Jillian and I are like, right before we record, just like furiously trying to figure out how to pronounce huga or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's important. And then it, it does like, especially for fans of books who really care about the characters, they will always remember like, how a, a character's name is pronounced like for instance in harry potter it's still like a co- controversial like is it voldemort or voldemort because in some audio uh, audiobooks it's some people say voldemort but obviously the oh. movies really canonize voldemort yeah well, i remember jim dale it's like he said uh the the spell ridiculous in the audiobook but in the films they pronounced it differently and i was mm-hmm. like wait a minute you didn't uh okay a lot of choices to make <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of the inner workings of your, your process, I'm curious about what's the most challenging part about narrating or what's something that might surprise people about your job that's not immediately obvious? It's probably not a surprise, but the hardest thing for me, honestly, just being just keeping it real here, um, is, is uh, for me to just the, the, the fatigue, the mental fatigue yeah. is hard to just that stamina, building up that stamina and keeping up that stamina. Uh, to be able to record and concentrate on so many things at once for a, such a long period of time, it gets you tired really, it wears you out mentally. And so um, even though I'm just sitting down in my little studio, so that's the, that's, that's probably the most challenging thing that I fight with every, every day, um, essentially, is making sure that I have enough stamina uh, to to keep going because I got to produce every day. You got to get it done every day. I'm just a freelancer and it's, Mm. I have to create and do this all the time. Well, that makes a lot of sense because two things are at play. Not only are you getting inside a character's head, but it's also a very physically demanding job as well. So two things are going on at once. You got to make sure you're the right distance from the microphone. You're not, you're not too close, but you're not too far away and you're consistent there that your accent is correct, that your character voices are correct, that you're conversational enough. I'm, I have a tendency to over-enunciate and get a little too erudite, so i got to make sure I don't do that. You're not trying to impress anybody, just keeping it real. So so there's just, yeah, there's lots of things to focus on um, to get it to sound just right. All very also, you gotta, Yeah. Oh, well, it's what I do now. <laughs> <laughs> when you're beginning a new project... Do those projects come to you from publishers or are, do authors ever reach out to you personally to narrate their books? Oh, all the time. Yes. Years ago, um, Amazon or Audible, it was about the time when Amazon bought Audible. They set up something called, a, it's called ACX, the Audiobook Creation Exchange, where uh, an author can go there who has published a book, even self-published, and post post a job saying, hey, I need to, you know, I have, I have, this is my budget. I want to, I want to make an audiobook of this, uh, of my book and hold auditions and, and they'll get submissions from people like me who are, um, are audiobook narrators and they can go through and choose and hold a casting and, and, uh, and get work through there. I've gotten a lot of work through there. And those are just authors who, you know, that's where I got Nocturne Falls, which turned into a whole lot of, of a whole, I turned into years of work. Um, which was wonderful, but I also do get. Um, there's also another part of the of, of hustling work, where you contact publishers and and production houses and and try and you know, hey, how about I'd love to work for you guys, kind of thing. It just it's just a business, yeah. so you have to you have to also do the hustling, do the do the legwork to actually um, get the uh, the places to to notice you and to work for them. So and I work for. I've worked for Audible and uh, Tantor and um, and some of the other ones. So, so right now it's a mix. Yeah, that's really great. Your your version of Alice in Wonderland is like the the best selling version on Audible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I'm really happy <laughs> about cool. that. One. It's awesome. <laughs> it's really it's really wonderful. My my daughter listens to that all the time. She's memorized every Aww. little 
nuance of it. So it's really sweet. It's a perk. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, audiobooks are so great for kids, especially. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a high school teacher, and mm-hmm. I use audiobooks extensively because a lot of times in my classroom, I have a range of, of readers. So some, some students are not at grade level in their reading ability. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to have that, like, that option for them to access the text. So just as an educator, like, audiobooks are really important to my practice. When I was in high school, I was a terrible reader. I couldn't, I tried to read Frankenstein because I wanted to get, I wanted to know these amazing stories and get into these worlds, but I was intimidated. I, I, I was just not a good reader. <laughs> There's no way around it. I just, I didn't do it very good. And um, so, yeah, if, if, if there was that, if, if, if I had that resource, it probably would have changed my life a little sooner. I would have been able to get into it a little sooner, but Man, to be in school and to not be able to read well when everyone else seems to, to just pick mm-hmm. right up, it's, it's a tough deal. Audiobooks really can be a great way for young people to get into reading as yeah. a start. And also, like, as an adult, like, it's just great to... It's, it's hard to find times to sit down and just read a book. It's so nice to be able to, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this particular book in my car on the way to work for my commute and finish it. I want to go back to what you're talking about with character voices because I find that fascinating. I, <laughs> I remember the same kind of, like magic when you realize watching your favorite like cartoon that it's the same person doing all the voices um what's your process for finding those character voices you mentioned a little bit about like going into the research of where they would be but is there anything else that you do to prepare for a character's voice basically i i kind of have my own little kind of default cast of characters (laughs) honestly um it and it it, but it really depends on 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 the work itself with like lit rpg novels you'll do more um different ones than you would for like a you know a, a traditional just cozy mystery um like a like an agatha christie kind of thing depends on the where where they are you know so, uh, but, but I, when I first started getting into this, I hearkened back to the, uh, the, the actors that I loved from the old movies that I loved. So James Mason shows up very frequently in many of the, many of the shows that I do. He can't seem to get rid of him. <laughs> and Basil Rathbone shows up and Alec Guinness. It's, you know, my Worcester and Jeeves is very much. Uh, it's, 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 I, I think of Alec Guinness as Benson mom in murder by death every time that's who I'm going for. So many times that's kind of my little shortcut is like, sometimes I can use that, but, um, it's gotten to the point now where sometimes I have to do so many similar, but dissimilar ones in the same, um, book that I'll think of like, okay, this is where this is his, the shape of his mouth. This is where this voice is located. This one's more back here. This one has more gravel. This one has more nasal, that kind of thing. So it's fun when I can just have fun, but sometimes you need to get more technical depending on, really depending on the material. You pretty much become the first person to cast the book, basically, when you're reading it. Yes, I love that. I love that part. It's like, oh, you know what would be fun here? Let's have him be like this. Yeah. And have, you know, kind of thing. So since it's a lot of, you know, technical work involved and physically demanding, I assume beforehand you really have to prepare whether it's like you have a specific routine you do beforehand or do you can you cozify your studio space? Is there a ritual you do? Yeah, I uh, I get up in the morning and I exercise for as long as I can stand it. <laughs> um, I have a little exercise bike in my garage. And so that really helps to get um, get the brain up and going. Uh, I have a little Himalayan salt lamp, Ooh. which I just love. It's just, it's, it, it just glows my whole, I, I have a, my studio is, is, um, it's really cozy. It's all insulated. It's all warm. I've got, you know, blankets on the walls and, um, I've got this nice little, the lighting and, um, I actually have a big, and the most narrow, nobody else does this. I, I just do it wrong, but I have a big overstuffed chair that I sit in and I kick back and I've configured my microphone so that I can lean back, have the text in front of my face, have my, you know, coffee cup right there, and then, you know, read the story. Um, just just like that. As and that's how I that sounds, spend yeah, that my sounds day. wonderful. I, I want I want to be in this cozy studio space. I, I work from home and I have the most uncozy cats jumping on my head. You know Jillian's learned no lessons from the show. No, I really I mean it's just it's just hard, especially with 
by posture and things like that. But a big overstuffed chair, a Himalayan salt lamp, I, that sounds ideal. Well, I, I tried to paint the cozy picture, but that's just, that's really how it is. Very cozy. <laughs> What about your, like care of your voice? Like, what do you do to take care of your voice? Are there are there specific things you drink, or how do you do that? In the morning, I don't. Uh, I just drink black. I've trained myself to drink black coffee because I can't have the 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 dairy and the sugar tends to cause problems there, especially in the morning. So I uh, just I take I just drink black coffee, and I have uh, I drink I eat a lot of apples for lunch. I I can never have cheese. So, or anything like that. I just have to kind of be wary of what I, what I do. And it's not a big deal, but it's one of those things that just it can slow things down. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier to just be mindful of, of those kinds of things and, you know, have more things that are conducive to keeping, keeping the pipes clean. Can you hear when other people have just had cheese? <laughs> I feel like a superpower. <laughs> no, uh, no, I mean... You can hide it well. Go for it. But I can't hide it. So. Well, I have just had an entire block of cheese before recording this. So. Confession <laughs> time. Can... I, I wasn't going to say anything, but I could totally hear it. I could totally tell. I mean, since you brought it up. So. What are you working on next? Like, what, what's, like what's your current project? I just finished uh, a book called The Holy Thief for, uh, I, I think it was for HarperCollins. And it's a... Uh, I, I get the, it's a gangster. Uh, it's a guy who was a straight up gangster who uh, became a rabbi oh. uh, and, and his journey from being a total straight up gangster to being a rabbi. And um, again, you're not supposed to do this, but I always break all the rules. Um, <laughs> I did the, the, it was written in such because uh, he wrote it himself with the, with the, with, with a, a helper. Um, and, uh, and so the whole thing, it's, 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 it's just like a guy talking. And so you can't read it in like proper, a proper voice. You have to kind of give him a bit of an attitude <laughs> where he's like, this is what I did. And so over there, that's where we went <laughs> kind of thing. Cause if you if you read those words, like I'm reading my regular voice, like who, how, oh my, that, it just doesn't fit. So, so I got to do a whole gangster biography um i'm actually finishing up a cozy mystery cozy paranormal mystery uh tomorrow i'll be doing the post-production for that it's a it's an unhappy valley um murder mystery from michelle pillow and so there's that one and then i started a just this morning i started recording a lit rpg um novel lit rpg is that like choose your own adventure it is it's similar to that it's basically it's a it's it's the formatting is a little different, but I've really enjoyed these because they're, they're fantasy. It's like, uh, it's like you're, you're, if you were doing an RPG, a role-playing game and you were a character and it's like, if you follow a character on how they level up, how they get different, um, how they go on different raids, how they fit in with a team, how they, you know, how they get together. And, and then you just kind of follow a character through a fantasy journey, um, in kind of a role-playing game environment well this, so. this is the first i'm hearing of the genre and i feel like you changed my life yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go explore it's, it's, this it's new it's it's new and i actually today i had one release of a, a second in a series that i've been doing because it's uh yeah it's a it's it's a new genre i think it started in korea but it's um it's a lot of fun because it's like you know you get all of the fun dwarves and and all of that the, the fun different voices you get to do but it's also has a grounding in a bit of reality. Is this more of an um, audio genre? Because do, do people are people clicking to choose things? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like like the old choose your own adventure books that that I that I liked. Um, you know, you would go if you want to if you want to go across the bridge, then go to page sixty four. If you want to go, you know, if you want to pick up the bucket, which you know, look underneath the bucket for a hidden whatever, then go to this page. You can't do that, obviously. So, so yeah, it's just kind of like an audio journey. You don't actually interact. Oh, okay. But, um, mm. I'm, 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 I'm looking that up. I'm, I'm finding that. I'm finding Nocturne Falls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people follow you like, and keep up with your work? Well, you can listen to my podcast, uh, the Classic Tales podcast. That's, that comes out every week, and um, that's, that's my favorite. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> where, where on Facebook and Twitter? What's your handle? 
it's uh, on Facebook. I'm BJ at the at the uh, Classic Tales Audiobooks, and on Twitter I'm BJ Harrison Audio. This is where they can find oh, that. Excellent. Yeah, the Classic Tales yeah. podcast. Those like classic text available in a podcast form is a really amazing resource. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're the actual audiobooks. I just started one uh, a little a little four part series of. Um, the Four Just Men, which was co-written by one of the authors of the original King Kong. I did um, The Importance of Being Earnest a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, and I have I did a cozy mystery last year, The Circular Staircase, mm. um, which most people haven't heard about. So what I love to do is find things in the public domain most people don't know, but are really good. I'm going to check that out, too. Thanks, BJ. Now I have, like, hours of reading to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> So I was going for it. This is amazing. I could just listen to you talk all day. I know. It's, re- it's really been a dream. Yeah. You guys are so nice. That's I've learned awesome. so much, too. I had no idea about even even the cheese. <laughs> There's so many Mind the things. cheese. Julian's going to stop packing her gob full of cheese before she yeah. records now. We're all learning something. Yeah, so, so many interesting details. And I'm, like I said, I'm really impressed in how you, you know, launched your career and all the great work that you do. And we feel so honored to have you on our podcast today. Oh, well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, BJ. Thanks. See you guys. Honestly, I understand that people just turn off the podcast now because BJ's voice is no longer going to be present. I miss that voice. But we're going to soldier on and review some candles for you. We're very excited because we actually have a double whammy candle review for you today. The first is a new candle, and the second is the elusive elusive (laughs) Maker's Mess candle that Jillian made a long time ago. A very long time ago. It's been sitting <laughs> on my shelf, and I thought I remembered to bring it, and I can't tell you what's in it because I have a very short attention span, and I just dump different scents into it and hope for the best. All right, well, we're going to finally know what that candle smells like. We're super excited about it. Right now, we are smelling a candle by Candle Delirium. Mm. So some background. Candle Delirium is a store in West Hollywood in Los Angeles that specializes in scented candles. And delirium is the correct word because when you walk into the store, you are inundated with a billion different scents and you will become delirious. It is crazy how many smells are attacking you you, once you open the door. And they also make their own candle. They have their own line of candles that just have the delirium logo on them. And this one is amber and eucalyptus. I I wanted something from the store that was about, about the store because it is such a unique place in L.A. Now we finally get to actually test out what these candle delirium candles are all about. Yeah. Very, it's a very fresh scent. It's, I think fresh is a good way to describe it. So to describe like the, it's a tin and it's a black tin and there's like a gold label around it that says delirium that has like multicolored little abstract art on the bottom. It's a pretty, very pretty, pretty little container. The candle, I'm getting the amber. The amber has a sweeter note than I typically associate with an amber smell. And I feel like the eucalyptus, I, I, I think the eucalyptus is providing that fresh note. I think for me, I, I like this scent. It is a little too sharp for me. Um, I like it. Yeah. What do you like about it? I just, it reminds me of a light, airy perfume that's not too cloying or overpowering. Mm-hmm. Just a nice and bright scent. I'm not, I mean, I could, whenever I go to smell, we do the review, I can't really smell it, but as the podcast is going on, as we're doing the main topics, mm-hmm. this, I can smell it really well, but yeah. it's like me, it's performance anxiety. I know the candle just is like, <laughs> it's pulling all the scent out of the air because it doesn't want to be judged. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I think it'd be a nice kitchen. Candle. It would reset a kitchen. I think for me, this is going to probably be a bathroom candle. It's a, it's a good scent. I mean, but I feel like for me, in my living spaces, I kind of want more of like, um, I like I like wood scents. I like mineral. And, and this is kind of, it should be more of a mineral scent. But I still feel like maybe it's the eucalyptus that's pulling it towards more of like a floral freshness for me. Like almost like a grass well, scent. Well, I, th- I think if you're someone who wants to bring a little freshness into your home and mm-hmm. maybe these scents aren't native to your area, it would be a good candle to choose. Yeah. It's a beautiful tin. It'll make you delirious, that's for sure. <laughs> At that store, because there are so many competing scents, it's actually really hard to smell candles because you can smell every candle all around you. Yeah. So what they have is these like little cans of um, coffee beans, which you put up to your nose to reset your 
palate. I don't know. Whatever the word is for, you know, your sniffer. And you reset it. And then you sniff some more candles. And um, they have a lot of options. I was really looking for the sales. I was expecting some more deep discounts. Usually when a place specializes in candles. There's a back shell. You got to like, yeah, they, they have to have stuff that's just sort of like, well, that didn't sell. And they do have like a small shelf of discounted candles. But I was surprised. Like most of their candles are either mid-range to expensive. Yeah. Um, I want a nice sale candle. Give me a sale. sale. It just smells better when it's cheap. (laughs) It's the smell of saved money. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Julian and I are going to take a little field trip now into another room where we have the other candle burning. This is a full experience for us. It's the first time I burned it, so I'm kind of curious. I wonder, can we walk with these wires? Let's see. I think so. Oh, my goodness. I've never moved on this podcast while recording. I'm going to try not to topple anything over. All right, here we go. Yeah, we're going into the old nook where we used to record. Yeah, that uh, heat, heat box. Yeah, the heat box before we learned better. And so we open the door, sniff it. <laughs> it smells we, we, I fine. Feel like, I feel like we're the witches looking yeah. for children. Um, it doesn't yeah. really smell like much. It smells like linen, like fresh linen. Can can you grab the candle? Are you close enough? I feel like we're both are, we're both concerned our wires Wait, hold, aren't going to get us mic. all the way. Hmm. Yeah, it does smell like fresh linen. Yeah, it's like um fabric softener. Fabric softener. Jillian created a fabric softener scented candle. So I don't know. I think that'd be a half wick. My maker's mess candle is probably a half wick. It's nice, but nothing to write home about. But that's what happens when you just dump. It's not a disaster. Crap into it. You know, for dumping a bunch of crap into it, it at least created a coherent scent experience. Yeah, I think maybe you're maybe you're a savant when it comes to <laughs> putting oils into candles. Yeah. It's like someone who just I don't know in those scenes like someone does something for the first time and they're just great at it. Mm-hmm. That's you. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, it's just I mean. The scents they, that they offered us at the class, mm-hmm. I don't even really recall what they were, but they were so intense. So I think I just went for the most light and safe smells, and that resulted in fabric softener, which mm-hmm. is arguably a safe scent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, they weren't even those dryer sheets. It's very soft. Yeah. So and that, that's scented a, a, dryer sheets. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. That that would be on the label. Yeah. Scent, scented dryer sheets. <laughs> By, by Jillian Walters. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's a half wick for me. I'm going to give the delirium a full wick. I think I'm going to give a half wick to both. Okay. So that's fair. a one and a half wick for the delirium candle and a full one wick for the Jillian's Maker's Mess candle. <laughs> Scented dryer. A great start. A great yeah. sa- start for Jillian's candle making career. But like I said, my partner bought a huge making uh, candle making kit. We have... At least 10 candles that we've made since, but it's really like, I don't know, uh, what's that? What a mad scientist is done because all these oils all over the place, wax all over. I'm still finding. Well, you've been making candles without me. <laughs> she has been every day. <laughs> every day she is like, let's make a candle. Let's make a candle. She's like a can- candle craze now. But yeah, she it makes it tries to make like, candles all the time. So last Saturday, she had a big, some big candle making fest, and um, I think we should make one candle at a time. She's all about production, so I'm trying sniffing these candles. There's actually absolutely no scent. We just filled our our. We have all these nice things like a empty, what's like holders, and mm-hmm. they're beautiful. And it's just unfortunate now. There's all this unscented wax just sitting in. You got to burn them up. You got to burn them up, but I don't know. So I've gotten a little bit of a taste in it. She just more it makes me put scents in. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm not too cruel making candles. Well, she should walk us through making the candles in the next episode. Yeah, she'd actually be really good at it because she's good at math. And so you need someone who's good at math. I'm just there to put the droppers in. Yeah. Well, get ready for... And all things cozy, hands-on candle-making experience. Yeah, that would be <laughs> quite interesting. But I, I, I think I'm getting better at it. I think mm-hmm. you need to put as much sense as you can because if you think you're overdoing it, you're not. It's kind of like cooking the macaroni and cheese. Yeah. We're learning a lot about... Cooking. <laughs> cooking and candling and... Not Anyways. candling, like making candles, not like the earwax thing. Anyway, 
So <laughs> that concludes our candle reviews. Hey, you know what, Jillian? We have a Patreon. Yeah. What should people do? They knowing should that we have a Patreon. Don- donate to it. Um, so we can <laughs> you should uh, give us money? <laughs> yeah. It's like we can cash out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, we sent out all of our little swag gifts. Um, mm-hmm. Kate Littleton, she put a, um, our beautiful sticker on our laptop and showed a photo of it to the All Things Cozy Facebook group. Oh my God, I missed that. Yeah, it was really cute. All right. So What's wrong with me? You can put go, your sticker on your laptop wherever you want to put it. And we have magnets. That's amazing. Too. Thank you, Kate. Um, so we really appreciate all the support. You don't have to donate, of course. Um, but every little bit helps, and we'd appreciate it. So that's pretty much all, is all I'll say about that. Yeah, so if you're interested in supporting the podcast you can and getting a sticker and magnet in the in the deal, um, you can go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash allthingscozy. If you're interested in contributing to the podcast, helping us out in a non-monetary way, we always appreciate five-star reviews on wherever you listen to this mm-hmm. podcast. So whether that's on... Apple or Facebook or I don't I mean you can review us on Facebook, you know what I'm saying, but like or Stitcher I suppose. That always helps and we will read your review on the air. We did get a new five-star review on Apple, but there was no words with it. So thank you to whoever did that. That's nice. Appreciate it totally. But if you want us to read your your words on the show, do a little tippity typing. Yeah. Can hear your username <laughs> and what you wrote um, on all things cozy. We really do appreciate it. And follow us on social media to keep up with the cozy content. Uh, you can follow us at, at All Things Cozy Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook, join our Facebook group. Um, we're both individually on Twitter, although increasingly both of us less and less these days. I don't know. <laughs> I guess in Arizona, I just there to lurk. Yeah. And, but every time someone reaches out to me on Twitter about All Things Cozy, I do respond. My favorite thing about Twitter right now is just occasionally, because I'll, I'll step away from it for weeks at a time, and then I'll come back, and oftentimes there's like one or two really kind comments from listeners and check out our patreon follow us on social media leave us a review if you have the time and go listen to some audiobooks and as always stay stay cozy. cozy